Hello, my name is Kyle Jenkins, and this is the Loving All Peoples podcast, a podcast about connecting the church to the unchurched. In today's episode, we are going to talk about different forms of worship and how it might affect the unchurched. Today I'm bringing this up because we need to be okay with different worship styles or preferences if we are going to reach the unchurched. When I first started following Jesus, Christian music played a huge role in my life and transformation, which I am incredibly grateful for. It greatly impacted me, and I needed it at the time to seek God. But as time went on, I ran into a problem. I had a really difficult time connecting to God if I wasn't listening to worship music. So I had to learn how to connect with God without music as well, which I did eventually. But it would take years to make that switch, and sometimes I still feel a bit of guilt if I'm not listening to Christian worship music, because I was so conditioned to do so in a Christian culture where it's so dominant. Now, although I appreciate Christian worship music and what it does for other people, worship music now actually distracts me from connecting with God. Now I prefer silence and meditation. And I love the connection I get with God when I read Scripture. When I am in a Christian public setting, I understand that people like to worship God with music. So I'm fine with that, no matter what church setting I'm in. But that doesn't mean I'm connecting with God in the room like everyone else is. I'm still distracted, and I still just meditate or connect with God in the best way I can. While that's me, many people connect with God with music, and that's great. The point is, we are all different, and we need to be okay with it and allow different options or different forms of worship if we're going to reach the unreached. The other problem that I had when worship music was the only way I connected with God was that I judged people who didn't worship like I did. I remember when I was in Bible college, I would get so sad or even frustrated in chapel because I didn't see people raising their hands. I even used to purposely sit on the front row so everyone could see my hands raised. My motive, so I thought, was to inspire other people to worship. And then I remember one of my professors challenging us about the dangers of defining Christianity or even people's salvation based on how they worship. I really blew that off at first, but it really stuck with me because that is exactly what I was doing. I literally thought that the people who were not raising their hands did not have a real relationship with God. It's shameful that I even thought that, but I know this is still a big issue with people in churches because I have been a part of those cultures. It really wasn't until I started studying or being exposed to other cultures and denominations that I realized that it's okay to worship in different ways. But do you want to know what really opened my eyes? to being okay with different worship styles? It was reading the Bible. Believe it or not, you are not going to find Hillsong, Chris Tomlin, or any worship bands in the Bible. That might sound funny to say, but how many of us act like the worship music or the style in today's world has been around since the beginning of time? And we act like the best way to worship is how my church does it. The interesting thing about the history of worship If you take a deep study on how Jesus and the early church worshipped, it might surprise you. 
There were a lot of hymns and instrumental music, but a lot of worship actually sounded like chants, similar to what a mosque or a synagogue would sound like today. And I think a lot of us would be uncomfortable with the way it sounded or the way it looked. If we heard Jesus in the early church doing worship, we might think it's too formal or it's not spirit-led. This might sound funny, but these are real thoughts that people would have. Now, it doesn't make any sense to be uncomfortable with something Jesus in the early church did, but it goes to show how sacred we hold on to our current worship practices. The point is, we need to think about this and realize that worship was different at different points in history. It changed in every century. And we shouldn't judge others or feel guilty when our worship style isn't like everyone else's. I'm sure many of you have experienced this or been around people who have different issues with worship styles. I know some churches and leaders that are ready to go to battle over different worship styles. Or they treat it like doctrine. Or it's blasphemous if they even worship in a different way. The charismatics are judging the non-charismatics and the non-charismatics are judging the charismatics. And it goes back and forth and on and on. Let this sink in. Estimations show that there are more than 200 Christian denominations in the U.S. and 45,000 globally, according to the World Christian Encyclopedia. Although this number comes with controversy that stems from how denominations are defined or counted, it doesn't really bother me who is right on this, but to me, Each country, language group, or culture would be a different denomination. If the word denomination is too strong of a word to use here, let's just agree that most churches are different from each other, especially when it comes to country, language, and people group. The point is we need to realize, again, that there are a lot of different forms of church and worship in the world today. So what is worship? Worship is when we give our deepest affections and highest praise to something. True worship of God is when we love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's when we put God above everything else and put Him first in our hearts. The Bible says that true worship is done by offering ourselves fully to the Lord. Romans 12:1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The Bible implies that we should present our bodies as living sacrifices to God, because that is what spiritual worship means. In the Bible, there are different forms of worship, including singing, offering sacrifices, prayer, meditation, acts of service, and much more. It also needs to be pointed out that worship can happen without singing or with worship music. Genesis 12.8, there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. 1 Samuel 1.28, now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord all his life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Jeremiah 26.19, They turned from their sins and worshiped the Lord. Matthew 2.11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Matthew 14.33, after Jesus walked on water, then the disciples worshiped him. Matthew 28.9, 
After appearing to his disciples after the resurrection, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Matthew 28, 16-17 Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw them, they worshipped him. Luke 24, 52 So they worshipped him, and then returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy. In these passages, they immediately started to worship God, right then and there. They didn't need worship leaders or worship music. We can worship God anytime, anywhere. All of these issues are important when reaching the unchurched. We can't just assume that when inviting someone to church, they are going to like our worship style or even love our church. We all come from different backgrounds. We all are created differently. We all have different preferences. And we need to understand that and be okay with it if we are going to reach the unchurched. I point this out a lot, but this is especially true when reaching other cultures. An Afghan Muslim who just became a Christian is probably not going to understand the worship style in your church. They might not even speak English. Most churches are not set up for other languages. So what can we practically do to introduce worship to the unchurched, especially with people from other cultures? Like I've said before, I wouldn't advise bringing people of other cultures to your church, at least right away. Even with Americans that grew up here, I would be slow to invite them, but just use your discernment. For me, the better solution I would offer is to help them start a group on their own with their friends and family. And as far as worship, let them read the Bible and seek God on what their expression of worship is supposed to be. This is not a bad thing. This is a beautiful thing. And it adds to the beauty of the different expressions of the church in the world. Although it's going to be much easier just to invite someone to your existing church, it may be much more impactful if you have them start their own group. Although it takes much more effort, we have to remember that we have to do what it takes to reach and love all people. If you have any questions, you can contact us through our website at lovingallpeoples.com. And please remember to subscribe or follow our podcast. Thanks for the listen, everyone. This is the Loving All Peoples podcast.